The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, the Gospel of John is where Bert Harper and I have been on Exploring the Word for several weeks, and we'll continue there, and we welcome you to another week of Exploring the Word. And Bert, uh, we've got a very special guest today that I, it's always an exciting time of year when we get to talk about Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child, and then we get to visit with people that make that ministry happen, and we've got one of those dear folks with us today. We do, and it is an exciting time, and we appreciate so much Samaritan's Purse, what they do around the world in the area of missions, and then especially Operation Christmas Child, which started in 1993. And during this period of time, over 190 million shoebox gifts has been given to children around the world, 170 countries and territories. And this year, the goal is 11 million children receiving wow. these shoe boxes. So we want to get on board. And Alex, I don't want to waste any more time. And not that we've wasted it, but we have a guest, and I'm anxious to have this interview. Would you introduce well, him to us, brother? Me too. Uh, we're going to speak, and I'm going to see if I pronounce this name correctly, Vladimir Proknevsky. National spokesperson with Samaritan's Purse, and uh, we're so honored to have you on, Vladimir. I've I've got to ask you: what, Did I come close to pronouncing your last name correctly? That was perfect. You said it better than I can. <laughs> oh, well, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Now, listen. I want to hear about what the Lord is doing through Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child, but I want to hear some of your story. Um, uh, did you grew up in the Ukraine? Is that right? That's right. So I grew up in Kiev, Ukraine. I come from a, from a family, a persecuted family. My father was an underground pastor in Kiev, Ukraine. Family wow. of nine kids, huge family. And because my father was persecuted in Kiev, Ukraine during the communism, he was hindered from advancing in our society. So my father wasn't able to get the right jobs. And because of that, we um, we didn't have much money to work with. So we had to take turns to go outside to play because we didn't have enough shoes for everybody in the family. We had to share our toothbrushes, which was a humbling experience. And uh, we didn't have access to a lot of toys either, so we, we had to get very creative. We made yo-yos out of Coca-Cola caps, and we played with our, with our shoes, pretending they were cars. And oh, as yeah. for food, we, we pretty much grew up on rice and potatoes, which I often jokingly say that we were vegetarians before it was even cool or popular. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we grew up in this tiny three-bedroom apartment with barely any heating or cooling. So it was, it was a, an interesting upbringing. It was lack everywhere, but it was during that time that we were invited to come to a Christmas celebration. And let me tell you, when we walked into this place, this was in the middle of cold Ukrainian winter. We had to hop on the bus and then on the tram just to get to that place. But when we walked into that place, it's like we transitioned from this black and white cold Ukrainian winter to a colorful room of joy and laughter. There was so much happy music, beautiful, welcoming smiles. But most importantly... They presented the gospel to us in so many different and unique ways through singing, dancing, cartoons, movies, animations, flannel boards. It was so visual, so effective. And then at the very, very end, they brought out those beautiful and colorful shoeboxes. When I opened my shoebox, it's like everything that I imagined playing with as a child. Uh, I had my own yo-yo, and you have to make yo-yos out of Coca-Cola caps anymore. I had my own toothbrush, and I didn't have to share one with anybody. And my toothbrush was like a rock star toothbrush. It was like the one to rule them all. I had so much color, so mm. much personality. It was so cool. I had this bar of soap that was like the whitest white I've ever seen. It was so squeaky clean, so slick, so smooth. had a print of the dove on top. I called my Holy Spirit in a box because the whole box, you know, <laughs> I could sanctify the whole box. For me. And I had this dental floss that I, I thought was candy. I, Literally thought it was candy, so I got a lot of it together in a ball, like a mint, and popped it in my mouth, and my mouth is so numb from all that mint. And uh, so, yeah. But, you know, over the years, you forget little details about the shoebox, but you never forget how it makes you feel. And when I received my shoebox, I felt loved. And I always say that God is love. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It it really touches my heart that we know the the shoebox, the Operation Christmas Child, contains the gospel and Every box, the millions of boxes that go forth, have the message of Jesus. But 
you felt the love of the Lord and the love of God's people by getting your very own toothbrush. That that really touches my heart. Yeah, you know, I always say when you pray over those boxes, those boxes change change frequencies. They become like boxes full of Jesus, boxes full of of love. And on the receiving end, children feel that same love that people pack them with. And that's I, I always say that God is love. When you show love to people, you show God to people. When people experience love, they experience God. And once you experience that God's unconditional love, you will not walk away unchanged. And that's what people get to be a part of when they pack these beautiful shoeboxes. But most importantly, the gospel comes with these shoeboxes because kids go through a 12-lesson discipleship program called The Greatest Journey, where children learn more about who Jesus is, how to have a relationship with Jesus, and how to share Jesus with others. So it's a gospel opportunity. Amen. just a gift. Well, this, this morning I got to preach to a group of pastors that invited me up, and I went to the First Baptist Church of Boonville here in northeast Mississippi, the first building I walked into, I looked on either side of that building, and they had these shoe boxes piled high, ready to be taken to a collection place. <laughs> nice. And I said, okay, I want to be very frank. I have been in very few churches, and I've been in a lot of churches, and many of them around Christmas time, that they are not collecting shoe boxes. It runs across all churches, many denominations, and it is a way that the gospel is being sent. So, Vladimir, I, I wanted to ask this. How old were you when you got that shoe box you were talking about? How old were you? I was nine years old, and let me tell you what a gift it was. It was my first mm. ever Christmas gift. Nine years Never. old. Wow. And listen, at nine years old, and think about all the boys and girls around the world. Hopefully, this coming year, this year, 11 million Vladimir's receiving these shoe boxes. Vladimir, how how does that send you now? Now that you know what it is to receive one, what you know like it is to send one, uh, man, it, it's got to be a great feeling. Absolutely, and it's it's. Uh, I'd much rather be on the giving end, but <laughs> I, it was it just come in a full circle. It's been beautiful to to go through that. But most importantly, is that the gospel comes with these shoeboxes. That's what I, what I'm excited about because not only do kids get a beautiful gift gift filled with new toys, school supplies, and hygiene items, but most importantly, they get introduced to Jesus. They get eternal gift. And that's what it's all about, because these Amen. boxes have a huge ripple effect. They bless more people than just the children. They bless the parents, and the parents share the share the gospel with the neighbors, and neighbors share with the friends, and it just has a huge ripple effect. And that's what I'm excited about. Let me ask you this, brother. How did you come? You were a recipient of one of the shoe boxes, as you said, and then how did you come to be a part of the ministry that you're you're traveling and representing them now? How did uh, God put all that together? It was a complete accident. I applied to work for Billy Graham as a web design and developer, and I got the job. And while I was there, I shared that I received a shoebox, and they asked me if I would share my testimony from time to time. And I did, and then once I learned more about how intentional it is that these, these are gospel opportunities, that they go to the most darkest places of the earth, and once I saw the, the vision, zoomed out, they got to see the whole vision— I was sold out, and they said that if a shoebox recipient shares his story, his or her story, more participation goes up. And so I thought, well, if, if me sharing my story means more shoeboxes than send me anywhere, <laughs> I'll share it. Vladimir, yeah. I need to ask you this. With what all's going on in the Ukraine, two things. Do you have any family members still there? Absolutely. I do have family members. Please keep them in prayers, they're safe, uh, but, you know, fear is, is – you, they talk to us, and they, you know, they, they, uh, they're, they're saying everything is fine, but you can hear the, the fear in their voice, and they're seeing missiles flying overhead. It's, it's a tough – it's a family war. It's a tough one. Well, but how, safe. Yeah. How, how is it going to work with the shoeboxes? Do you think it'll have to be delayed for a while to get those shoeboxes in the Ukraine? And I, I, just, I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, I, I – I know that the I know I've heard stories that they're already because uh, of Operation Christmas Child. Samaritan's Purse has a lot of uh, churches that they connected with over the years, thousands of churches in the Ukraine, and I know that those shoeboxes are already blessing people in the Ukraine. So that's what I'm excited about too. Uh, I was going to ask you about the Ukraine too, and I know that um, Kirsten or Kirsten, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. You know, was liberated uh, over the weekend. Um, do, do you think that 
this will signal i mean will will putin retreat in your opinion eventually will will he give up or is he just unrelenting that's a, a tough question i have no idea um but i would sure hope that we're praying the end that. Is near. Yeah. yeah we're praying yeah amen yes because i'd love to see my people free and not living in fear well let me ask you this if you wanted to encourage listeners and and viewers to to you know pack a shoebox tell you've already shared it really well about the gospel but share it with it one more time we got about a minute and a half left and i want folks to get excited about it well i think you know generosity is a muscle you got to exercise it and that's what i love about american people and i have two boys a seven-year-old nine-year-old and it's a project that we get to come together as a family and exercise a generosity that muscle and, uh, you know, you reap what you sow. And so that's what I tell my kids. Look, this is so good that you get to give to the kids that don't have anything. Not only does it bless them, but it also blesses you. You get to exercise the generosity muscle. But most importantly, the gospel comes with these shoeboxes. Kids get to hear about the gospel, and that's that's better than anything. That's what I'm excited Amen. about most. Amen. Well, brother, this is just wonderful. And listen, I know, Bert, how much time do we have? Do we have time to pray before this We break? do. We certainly do, Alex. So, go, uh, Vladimir, let me, in case we yeah. pray, you've been a, a great guest, and I thank God for you, brother, and I thank God thank for you. using you to encourage others. That's that. The, you have, let me just tell you, I don't know if you know it or not, you have the gift of encouragement just in your voice, brother. Amen. And I appreciate that. Thank you. That means so much. Thank you so much for that. Lead us in a brief word of prayer for the shoeboxes, would you please? Father, thank you so much for for these wonderful shoeboxes that are just boxes full of your love. And I'm just so excited that people get to pack these beautiful shoeboxes and send them to children who don't experience love, and they get to experience this unconditional love with no strings attached that's what you are about, and I'm so excited that that's what children will experience this season, this Christmas season, your true unconditional love, Father. Thank you for all the people that are packing shoeboxes, and uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Well, Vladimir, thank you again, and your sons, how old are they now? Seven and nine. Oh, wow. I bet it's wild around your house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No yeah. rest. Yeah, no amen, rest. brother. Well, thank Amen. you for being God with us. Alex, you. this has been a blessing. It always is for for the greatest God journey in Operation you. Christmas, child, isn't it? It is. Well, folks, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to continue in the Gospel of John, plus your phone calls and Bible questions on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Don't go away. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. We relate to God in personal ways because the Bible tells us He's a personal God. But Dr. Tony Evans says He's still God with a nature very different from our own. How different? We'll find out today as we spend two minutes with Tony. He is an eternal being because he is who he is, and the Bible says, and he changes not. That's very important. He is not only who he is, he is consistently who he is. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. That's why the Bible says God does not change. In his nature, he cannot change because he is who he is. Now, you can't say that. Because you are not now what you used to be. You used to be a baby. Now you're an adult. 
You used to be this, and now you're that. You used to have hair, now you don't. You used to look good, now you don't. I mean, I mean, you cannot declare yourself to be changeless. You are in an ever-changing mode. God does not change, listen to this, because he does not need anything outside of himself to keep him going. He's self-generating. The sun doesn't have to look for fire to stay hot, and water doesn't have to look for moisture to be wet. It's built into the nature of the thing. It's built into the nature of God to be who he is and to forever be that way because he changes not. But there is one way in which God changes, and Dr. Evans will tell us about that next time. Till then, check out the latest edition of our half-hour daily program and sign up for his free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Psalm 14, 2. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We had a great interview. Alex and I love to do Operation Christmas Child interview. Couldn't you just hear the joy in his voice? Brother, I could. And it seemed like, and I remember, we've interviewed around 10 different people for Operation Christmas Child since we've been doing Exploring the Word. And there's joy, uh, there's compassion, and uh, Alex, with that in mind, let me tell people, if you don't know what to do, you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. And you can find out what all is permissible to put in that box. And you, the collection date is November the 14th to the 21st. So we got this week. And, and all the way through this week, and there's 4,500 locations nationwide to take your box to make it sure that it gets put into that grouping. So Operation mm-hmm. Christmas Child, and they share the gospel. I want to share with you, I'm not sure there's anything more effective in, re- in sharing the gospel than Operation Christmas Child. I'll just tell you, yes. I haven't heard of it if there is. Yeah, and, and those shoeboxes are allowed to go. Uh, very often where, you know, maybe missionaries couldn't go. And it's just, it is one of the greatest ministry tools ever. And I tell you this, I know we say things like this, but this is really true. When we get to heaven, I think there are going to be millions and millions of people that were one to Christ as a little child through the impact of the shoeboxes. And, uh, you know, um, well, we just appreciate that, and there I didn't give their website, and Bert, I meant to. Let me give this, and we're going to get to the Gospel of John, but their website is SamaritansPurse.org slash O-C-C, SamaritansPurse, spelled just like it sounds, dot O-R-G, slash O-C-C, which of course stands for Operation Christmas Child. And we are so excited about the results that God's going to do, and Listen, you can track your, you, you'll find out, you can track your shoebox. It's an amazing thing, and uh, so I hope you'll be a part of that. Well, Alex, we, in last Thursday, uh, we got part of John chapter 8, and then on Friday, you and I celebrated. We took in more phone <laughs> calls on Fire Away Friday than any time in 10 years that we've been doing Fire Away Fridays. We took 17 calls and, you know, Friday. now we're, we're not looking at it like, oh, boy, we've arrived. But what makes that fun? We got to talk to 17 different people. That's what makes Amen. it so good. A- Amen. Well, and, and, folks, here's the thing. Alex is trying to not be so wordy and lengthy. And I know I'll, I'll go off on these long, circuitous trails, but um, it is a blessing. And I want to say thank you one and all for calling in and uh, – you know, Bert, you travel, I travel, and it seems like every weekend we get to meet the wonderful listeners all across America, Amen. and we just want to say we love you, and we thank God for you, and the fact that you would listen 
uh, participate and call in. It really does mean the world to us, doesn't it? It really does. And the biggest thing that people are surprised at is that we're not side by side most of the time when we do this. They say, you mean Alex is somewhere else besides the studio? And I said, yes. I said, listen, the Lord has blessed us to connect. And I said, the first time I ever did the program, there was an automatic connection through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, 10 years later, God is still blessing that, and we give him glory. With that in mind, John chapter 8, and we started this, and uh, we, we talked about a good bit of it, but let me start reading in verse 28, if that's all right, Alex. Absolutely. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. What a statement. And I I know we can concentrate on Christ, and that's what we want to do, but I love that last statement, and may it be our prayer. May I always do those things that please him. I'm afraid I've gotten out of line with my attitude and actions every once in a while. Well, let me admit it, more than that. Mm. You know, Alex, uh, thank God for the Holy Spirit in Burt Harper. It, I, it would be horrible without him coming into my life. And I'd be, you know, there's no telling, but we, you're listening today. And I want to just tell you, the Holy Spirit living in you changes everything. It changes your outlook. It changes the attitude that you would have toward anything and gives it's self-control. You remember one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. And, man, Bert Harper needs that. And so if we're going to please the Heavenly Father in our day, the Holy Spirit better be reigning and ruling in our life, hadn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bert, I had the privilege of uh, teaching a Sunday school class yesterday, and we were going through Deuteronomy 6, which is famously called the Shema. And it uh, really starts, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And actually, by the way, there's kind of three parts to to that. Let's see if I remember this. There's Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. There's Deuteronomy 11, 15 through 29. And there's Numbers 15, I believe it is. Um, anyway, I can't remember all of it. But the bottom line, the, the name of God. The, the, the full name of God, they, pious Jews wouldn't really say that. The I am, that is kind of a reference to God's essential nature. And yet over and over, like in John 8, where Jesus says, you know, I am, he utters and he attributes to himself this eternal, unchanging, uncreated, divine nature. Now, they knew that really only applied to God. But what Jesus is saying there is that he is God incarnate. And that's part of the reason that they had this visceral reaction, that he was attributing deity to himself. Now, as C.S. Lewis would say, to call yourself God is either blasphemy or delusion unless that's really who you are. And in the case of Jesus, with all the miracles that fulfill prophecy, his own resurrection from the dead, for him to reveal himself as God incarnate, uh, that was appropriate because that is his true identity. But, you know, like um, the I am statements of Jesus, uh, that was was a (laughs) statement that a pious Jew of that era would not even have vocalized out loud, wasn't it? It was. They would not let that come out of his mouth. Now, Notice what's happened here. There's a transition here a little bit in verse 30. Many of the people have believed, and they're following him because of his miracles, feeding them. And then in John chapter 6, we covered that, that when he said some difficult things for them to understand, they walked away and didn't follow him anymore. But listen to verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Now his teaching who he is about I am. The Pharisees, it rubbed them the wrong way. The Sadducees, it didn't please them at all. The scribes didn't like it at all. But the common people, they had enough wisdom above what they had been trained by these people. 
to recognize him as God. And it said, he spoke these words. I love these. Many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those who believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now listen to that. What a connection, Alex. After he gets through proclaiming, as you just so well pronounced, that he is the I am, many believed, and then those that believed followed him. And Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you'll find that's a key word in the gospel of John. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. He's more than just getting followers. He's wanting disciples. And then he said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. free. Alex, it's all truth is always connected to Jesus Christ. Always. Well, that's true. And let, let me just say this. Jesus makes this continuity between the Old Testament that was the Scriptures, the written revelation of God, and then the New Testament that would come. I mean, the Old Testament, Christ affirmed over and over. Well, the words of Jesus are divine because he's speaking as God, and we've got in the New Testament the red letters, that's the words of Christ. But then he made provision for the New Testament because he he said that his disciples would be his representatives. The Holy Spirit would remind you of all things whatsoever. I've told you, John 14, and we'll get there. But here's the thing. Jesus makes this connection not only between the Testaments, the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's a unified whole. But he also makes this connection between being his disciple and receiving and following his word. Because Jesus is the Logos, the living word. Scripture is the written word. Now, here's my point. Bert, I was researching an article I spent last week and much of the weekend working on an article for the journal, for the AFA journal called The Stand. It's going to be out next, uh, early in the new year. Uh, Great honor to write for The Stand. But, Bert, um, one of the things I was researching were the number of denominations that have really caved in on some very, very key moral issues of our time, not the least of which is the moral issues, homosexuality, transgenderism. Now, here's the thing. If, if Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Well, on the flip side, if you betray his word, you're really not being his disciple. And he says in verse 31, that, uh, I'm sorry, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, on the flip side of that, 180 degrees differently, if you don't know the truth and you've not believed what God says, you're not set free. Bert, isn't there uh, an inextricable connection between really being a follower of Christ and accepting what the Bible says? It is, and the connection is there. One of the great things you do is look at the connections. Like you just said, Alex, old and new covenants. Look at the the connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit and him leaving and the Holy Spirit coming. And here it is his word and his truth becoming disciples. And notice the word. I want to ask you, and I'll share with you, and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. What is free? What is free? Paul would talk about that, the liberty that we have in the book of Galatians. He talks about the liberty that you stand in Christ Jesus. You're no longer bound. Now, what is bound? We're bound in our sin. We're bound in our attitudes and our actions. And we are free now not to be tied to to the sinful, our flesh. You remember what Paul would talk about? there's nothing in the flesh that does good. So Mm. we are made free so we can follow Christ, not free to do what we want, but free to do what we ought, and that is trying to play on words. And uh, listen, now I found a verse that means a lot to me. It's one of my life verses. It's Psalm uh, 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. The issue is not the desires of my heart. The issue is delighting in the Lord. So when I see yes, this word yes. abiding in his word, and I look over, here's another connection in Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself in the Lord. 
they are connected. I delight to do thy word. Psalm 119 is filled with that about delighting in God's word, delighting in his covenants. So, Alex, you are so right in connecting all of those together. And what happens? Freedom. We're free in Christ to worship him, to adore him, to, to, to be used of him. And that's what we say here on Exploring the Word. If you're listening today and you've never been set free from your sin, today you can. Would you say, oh, God, I'm a sinner. I've wanted to do my own thing, go my own way. But today I turn around. I repent. God, I turn to you forgetting those things behind that I've wanted, and I want your will. I ask Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again, to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and be Lord of my life now and forever. I want to tell you that freedom rings true, Alex. Amen. Amen. Well, it really does. And so uh, Jesus had a message for them, and this message is true for us today as well, that freedom that liberation. And, and as Bert said, maybe there's somebody listening and the chains of bondage can be broken today. Very often we'll, you know, preach about people getting delivered from substance abuse or something like that. But do you know, you can even be set free of pain, emotional pain, even decades of maybe family struggles or relationship heartbreak or, or whatever. Bert, I honestly believe Yes, the Lord loves us enough to save our soul and forgive our sins, but I believe, and we're going to get to John 10.10, when Christ promises an abundant life, I've just seen it in so many families where he does rebuild lives that maybe have been broken for generations. Mm. He's got good for his followers. He really does. But I want to let's unpack 33 a little bit because, Bert, I've always thought this was the most ironic uh, verse, very unusual. All right, they're listening, and he's he's presenting himself as the Messiah. Uh, and they answered him, and here's what the Jewish leader said, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say you should be made free? Bert, I was a little boy in Sunday school, and they're reading that, and the Jewish people are, you know, arguing with Jesus, and so we've never been in bondage to anybody. Well, Look, I had seen Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, <laughs> and I remember uh, even as about a 10-year-old, I knew about the enslavement in Egypt, and I had heard of the Babylonian captivity, and I remember I thought, wait a minute, yeah, a whole lot of the Old Testament you've been in bondage. Hey, listen, if you're in bondage, you can be set free. Don't deny it the way the Pharisees did. They were, they had been, and they were. But you can be set free in Christ Jesus. Trust him today. We're going to take your phone calls. That phone number, 888-589-8840. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Weekday mornings at 8 Central, Pastor Jeff Shreve offers real truth for today. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. The world around us is rapidly changing, but God and His truth will never change. I may be the host of the show, but I want God's Word and His truth to be the star of the show. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve each weekday morning at 8 Central for real truth for today on American Family Radio. Hello, this is Edward Graham, and I've got a great idea for you this Christmas. Through Operation Christmas Child, you can share hope with a child in need. Fill a shoebox with toys, school supplies, and hygiene items. Add your picture in an encouraging note. We'll deliver your shoebox gift to a child alongside the greatest gift of all, the good news of Jesus Christ. This year, Operation Christmas Child will hand out a 200 millionth shoebox gift. So join us this Christmas. Thank you very much.
My name is Isabella, and I received my Operation Christmas Child shoebox shortly after the fall of the communist regime in Romania. During this difficult time in my life, this shoebox was a splash of color in my black and white world. You can make a difference in the life of a child by packing a shoebox through Operation Christmas Child. To learn more or to pack a shoebox gift online, visit SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. That's SamaritanSpurs.org OCC. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Here Jesus instructed his disciples to cross a lake and meet him on the other side of it. As they went, they were met by a violent windstorm that halted their progress. Often in our Christian lives, we receive clear instruction from the Lord, only to be met by an obstacle that halts our progress. We must, however, recognize that the onset of a storm does not cancel out God's instructions. Halted progress does not equal denied destination. When Jesus directed the disciples to go to the other side, he absolutely meant for them to get there. Delay does not equal denial. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. You fight for me. I will remember. You're all I need. You are my hero. Exploring the Word is back, and the number, the toll-free number is 888-589-8840. 888 888- You can call with a Bible question, and we would be very honored for you to call in. And uh, Bert will answer the calls. We'll give you a good answer or the best we can do. But uh, you can email us too, wordword at afr.net, as in American Family Radio. And we'd love to hear from you from email as well. But uh, Bert, I always love it when we open up those phones and begin to take calls. We do. And first, we're going to the great, I, I don't know if Virginia's a state or commonwealth. I don't know about that. But anyway, And I, don't, I have to confess, I don't even know okay. what commonwealth means. <laughs> hey, well, John is there. John, welcome. Well, well thank you, Bert. Um, you know, the Gospel of John, to me, one of the most amazing statements Jesus makes, and it's a little bit later on, but... Uh, he talks about the unity, uh, Jesus' prayer to the Father, the unity of the Godhead, uh, the, the, just the, the closeness there. And then Jesus' prayer is that we as uh, believers would have that same kind of unity. And I think the world sees that between um, brothers and sisters in Christ. And just struck me, I, you know, I see it between uh, you two. Uh, Bert and Alex, uh, wow. uh, just your your care for each other and uh, just an encouragement, maybe your thoughts on that, but encouragement to all of us to just to love one another and the world's going to see that love and uh, it's going to point us right to Jesus. Thank you, John. I agree with you about the John. I was talking to those pastors today, a group of them, and I was telling them, John has something, all the Gospels, each one of them is unique. Each one of them has its strengths, but John has this intimate uh, talk about Christ, and it helps us to know him better. And let me just say about Alex and Bert, uh, we're hmm. different in so many ways. Alex is a musician, a great musician, playing the guitar and doing all the things that he does. He is an amazing. His mind uh, for details and remembrance is greater. I tell folks I've got a great memory, but my forgetters so much better. But uh-huh. but we honestly, I can say this, John, Bert and Alex work together. It's not. It's. I'm just saying it, it's not a put on. It is honestly brothers. Loving Jesus. Amen. It, God is so good. Yeah, we were friends from the very first moment we, we met. And uh, sometimes we tell that story about how, you know, um, it, well, it was such a blessing. And I'm not going to tell the story right now how God put it all together. But the show with Tim Wildman's idea 
and then Marvin and then Bert and I, and then getting to do not only the radio, but very often events and then writing a couple of books. And so God, God has it all together. But Bert, let me just say this, what one of my mentors, Josh McDowell, would always say, God is a God of relationship. God made Christians for relationship. Obviously, the first and most important is our relationship with the Lord, but then our relationship with other brothers and sisters. And so God is a God of relationships, isn't he? He is, and that's the uniqueness of the Trinity. I, I Again, you and I have never been able to completely explain it, much less comprehend it, but I know what it is that when Jesus is baptized and the Father speaks from heaven, the Holy Spirit descends from heaven as a dove, and we see that unity within that. And uh, Alex, may we, as followers of Christ, may we, when we follow Jesus, that's what we're doing. And it will, we may not agree on everything, but we won't be so disagreeable. And that's our desire. So we pray. Thank you, John. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Adam. Adam, welcome. Hello, guys. How are you? Doing well today. Good. It's a beautiful Monday here. Yes, it is. We're fixing to get snow here. Hey, <laughs> well. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. I had some Jehovah's Witness in my yard. The thing that he spoke that kind of made me stumble a little bit was when he was talking about uh, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it felt like he's trying to sell me on how wonderful the world is and we should love all the things that are around us. And I have a good explanation behind that exactly that part of the prayer means. So I'd love your opinion on it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. You broke up a little bit, but we got just about everything. Again, that is thy will be done. That's the key. Okay. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, Alex, is he on the throne in heaven? Uh, yeah, God, the Lord, the Lord yeah, God is on his throne in heaven, yes. So does he need to be on the throne in our lives? He does. Okay. He does. And on earth, is is it talking about the earth right now or the people dwelling in the earth that God's talking? Both and or either or? It, I would say it's both and. Yeah, I do too. Because of God's omnipresence, there's no place where the, the rule and reign and the presence of God is not. But here's the thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, and I believe falsely so, that there's going to be a paradise on earth where the majority of the human race will be because they say that when Jesus, um, you know, Jesus is not really going to return to earth, but is going to stay in heaven and rule with 144,000 on earth. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, which, very interesting, it was one of the false teachings that came out of the 19th century, and the, the latter half of the 19th century was a time that a number of just pernicious cults arose. False view of the atonement, false view of salvation, definitely a false view of eternity and the future. But um, let, let me say that... Uh, you need to be careful, folks. The Jehovah's Witnesses have several websites, and I think they've purposely designed them to look like some otherwise reputable websites like Bible Gateway and Bible Hub, which are very reputable. But but be careful because um, if in the URL it's got jw.org or something like that about the Watchtower, there is a lot, and they, Bert, they are subtle in their false teaching, but um, they're, they're wrong on the identity of Jesus, the work of Christ, what it means to be saved, and they're definitely wrong on eternity as well. The first thing you want to do on any denomination, any group of people, let's hear what you say about Jesus. That's the key. Jesus Christ is the key, knowing who he is. He is the word who became flesh. He is God. He is, you know, God in flesh. And uh, so, listen, anytime you look at any, like a church, a denomination, 
First thing you want to find out is what they say about Jesus Christ. If they're not right there, don't you even give them any time. And Jehovah's Witnesses, as you said, Alex, they are lacking on who Jesus is and what where he is, what he's done, and everything. So, Adam, thank you. We hope that helps. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Janice. Janice, welcome. Uh, why did God put put uh, Jonah in the whale's belly? Okay, mm -hmm. to get him where he needed to be. He was out in the sea. Uh, Alex, he could have chosen anything, but he, God in his providence knew what was going to take place years after that about Jesus being three days uh, in, in the earth, you know? It mm -hmm. sure was a good opportunity for a living example, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of things present. I mean, it definitely brought conviction. Uh, Jonah's disobedience brought conviction on the men on the ship, and they threw him overboard. And uh, it certainly, uh, let me say this, God doesn't override our free will. When we're called to obey the Lord, God will, God will draw us, he'll beckon, he'll woo us. Uh, but let me just say this, old Jonah, he, uh, he decided to reevaluate his priorities down in the belly of that whale, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Can you imagine when he was uh, just, you know, thrown up on the beach, what he looked like? I, I got a feeling he kept the scars of being in the acid. Now, God kept him alive, but I got a feeling his body uh, demonstrated what it was to be there. And uh, so, anyway, it was a message. He had the message ready, Janice, and he went and delivered it. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Ben. Welcome, Ben. Hey, uh, so I'm an engineer, and you were just talking about the uh, the Trinity and how it's kind of hard to reconcile that logically. Um, there is a concept uh, in chemistry I learned about. It's called the triple point of water, and it uh, basically – there's a perfect spot in temperature and pressure where water can exist and solid, liquid, and gas all at the same time and at the, exactly the same time. And to me, as really? I think about it, I, I look at it and I say, okay, this is, this is uh, God. God is water in this analogy, and they all break down. But at that point, that perfect point to me is just simply for God all the time. And he's all of them, all the time. Amen. He is. is that he is all of them, all the time. That's where most of them break down, Alex. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I'd like to know where that temperature is, you know. If you find that out, Ben, and know, uh, you could email us and let us know. I'd like to know that. Alex, go ahead. Well, God bless you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I had never heard about the triple point of water. You know, it's funny. Um, yesterday, Angie, my wife, was talking. We were at church and talking with a, a medical doctor about the trinity of the heart, lung, and kidneys. And uh, it was interesting to hear them talking about how they are interdependent, they need each other, and very often surgeons or doctors will talk about the, the trinity of life, because you need heart, lung, and kidneys. And, Bert, it just reminds me, so much of this world reflects the great Creator and Savior, Psalm 19, the heavens and earth bear witness to the glory of God. And uh, there's past, present, future, length, width, height, body, soul, and spirit. Um, don't you think creation itself reflects the triune nature of God the Creator. It really does, Alex, and, and you see that in so many areas of nature. We see it within ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. We, it is there, and again, uh, I, I, I do believe, I don't know what this triple point will be, but just about all analogies run out of how great God is. In other words, there's no earthly way to explain the greatness of God. You remember when Paul was lifted up in the third heaven, he said, I saw things that I could not comprehend or explain. They're beyond us. And that's the God we serve. So rejoice in that. If I understood everything about God, Alex, it would be scary, you know, because uh, he would either be limited or I would be beyond what I need to be in faith, trusting in him. So Mm -hmm. Thank you for that great, great comment, Ben. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Justin. 
Justin, welcome. Hello. Yes, your own brother. Go yeah. right ahead. Yeah. So uh, Yeshua came to uh, fulfill the law, um, as I, I've been taught, and I guess that's why we don't do the, the sacrifices and stuff like that. Correct? Because he was the ultimate right. sacrifice. Correct. So I'm a little confused on like what does does that actually mean? Fulfill the law because I'm reading the Torah. And we're supposed to keep the Sabbath, and the Sabbath has changed, and we we do the Ten Commandments, but we don't do some of these laws, and I just don't understand. Okay. Hey, Justin, thank you for calling. Alex, let me set this up. We have a moral law when it talks about those things that uh, that does not change, and then you have a sacrificial system that Jesus changed everything. And that's one reason that we obey some and not the others, isn't it? That's true. And um, let me say, brother, God bless you for all your studies. Uh, The Sabbath really didn't change. Now, we worship on Sunday, but Sunday is not the Sabbath. Uh, We worship on Sunday because the very first disciples did. That was Resurrection Day and really uh, kind of indicates the the new covenant. Uh, But but let me say, you know, in um, Matthew 5, 17, I believe it is, where Jesus said, I came not to abolish but to fulfill, uh, Matthew 5, 17, really means to complete. Uh, and the word um, is a word where we get a, the word plenary. Like if if you go to a conference and they'll say, well, there's breakout sessions and pick an elective, but then the plenary session, everybody goes to, well, in a plenary way, every single way, totality, Jesus completed, fulfilled the law. And it wasn't that the law of God got abolished, but here's the thing. The, the moral law is still in force so that we can have a civil society and the human race not destroy itself. The ceremonial law is fulfilled, and like Hebrews says, that um, we don't have to create, we don't have to, you know, go through the rituals week after week after week of the law of Moses and that would include the keeping of the Saturday Sabbath. Although the Sabbath is still Saturday, we are perpetually in the Sabbath rest of God by virtue of having been now in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3. So, Bert, in Jesus, the Sabbath is always being fulfilled because we're forever in Christ. And we are, and being Him changes everything and as as we read today, notice what he said in John chapter 8 that we read today, and he talked about it. He said, if you abide in me, uh, that's the whole idea. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Abiding in the word is more than just trying to check everything off. It's letting the word dwell in you richly, Alex, and that's a beautiful term. And, and I think the psalmist talked about that quite a bit, about eating them, about them being nourishment to our soul. So we have this law that, changed, that not the sacrificial law within us, and the Holy Spirit of God helps us to follow him. I think it's a beautiful example. Thank you so much, Justin. We hope that helps. Alex, you want to do this tomorrow? Let's do it again tomorrow, folks. Continue on reading. We're going to wrap up John 8 tomorrow and keep on going through this wonderful gospel of john we want people to be there with us when we do that don't we We do so tell someone about exploring the word but more importantly tell them about jesus the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the american family association or american family radio